I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part of Everybody and welcome again to ET Yoga. Well, tonight's show is going to be jam-packed with information as usual. We're going to get into talking about Omega Metatron, the AI god of many universes. We're also going to uh, finish off uh, what I would call part two of the Tigetan Pleiadians confronting flat earth theory. We're also going to get into the story of Prime Radium, and that's a mind-blower in itself. And uh, we also hope to get around to some uh, knowledge from Enoch Tan, as well as um, possibly uh, connecting uh, integral yoga with uh, the Essenes. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get everything in in, in this one show, but um, give it a shot. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to kick off the program in the usual manner by having a little bit of japa yoga or mantra repetition. And that'll be led by Sri Swami Sachidananda. So if the guys in the booth would play that short clip now, that would be much appreciated. Hari Om, Hari Om, Hari Hari. Yeah. 
Yes, that was Sri Swami Sachidananda, one of the big boys, as they say, on the planet, uh, passed on in 2002. Uh, he was founder of the Integral Yoga Institutes, one of my spiritual teachers, and that was a clip from back in the 1970s. I'd like to now give my thanks, appreciation, and gratitude to the ET Yoga listening audience just for being you just for being the kind of person that's already making a difference wherever they are, just by being here, and also able to connect with the information presented on ET Yoga. I'd like to extend an invitation to listeners to contact me concerning any questions you may have about content that's presented on this program. I'm more than happy to respond to those questions to the best of my ability, and also to invite you to contact me with respect to suggestions you may have about program content, and nothing makes my day more than hearing about your successes, utilizing concepts, ideas, and techniques 
that are presented on this program. I'd like to now give my usual disclaimer that this program was created in order to share the information about the positive and most effective benefits and insights of ET yoga. It is therefore for educational purposes, and although thought to be accurate, is provided as is and without warranty of any kind, either expressed or unexpressed or implied. Please note that ET yoga is not a substitute for medical care. Information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You should always consult with the appropriate health care practitioner in case of any medical condition. And uh, for contacting me, by the way, <laughs> you can contact me at paperfungo, P-A-P-E-R-F-U-N-G-O at yahoo.ca. And uh, for new listeners, you should also know that I applaud your efforts to distance yourself from mainstream pharma, big mainstream medical, mainstream media, and technology to the best of your ability given your particular circumstance. And I might add that uh, in my observation, the biggest area that people... (laughs) are not distancing themselves from is the technology, which we're going to get into a bit in tonight's program. And um, also, uh, during the week, I um, came up with a number of quotes I'd like to share with you that you could potentially use as a uh, focus uh, for meditation. And um, one comes from Jerry Wills who states that intention gives direction to the light. Another one from Jerry Wills, other people are another image of God, perfect and whole. How he sees other people, very impressive. A quote from the Palladians, that other people are another version of you. And as Ram Das would say, the only person you ever hang out with is you. It is your universe spelled with Y-O-U, U-niverse. Also from the Palladians, interesting quote, love is not the highest frequency. The highest frequency is integration. That would take some meditation to understand that quote. Another one from the Palladians, victimhood robs you of your power and is a downward spiral. The controllers foster victimhood mentality when they want more control. Bashar, blame, complaint, and justification are the signs of victimhood mentality. From the Swaroos, everything is consciousness, and the ether is consciousness, and gravity is a flow or vector within the ether. An interesting quote, considering that, as far as I know, modern science hasn't even discovered the ether. They know something's there, but haven't been able to figure out what that is. And another mind blower that came up recently from the Swaroos, the material world is only an idea, a personal and shared collective. It is an illusion. As hard as that table may look, it doesn't exist. It is an illusion. It is an idea. 
I'd like to uh, mention that uh, during the week, I wasn't planning on talking about AI, but every time I turned around, I kept running into information about it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Omega Metatron. Omega Metatron, I first heard the name from uh, Ishmael Perez, who was interviewed by Kerry Cassidy. So I suggest you can go to the archives of Project Camelot, uh, as I did the other day, to revisit that interview. Uh, I'm in sync with him on just about everything. And um, obviously, uh, unfortunately, Kerry Cassidy isn't, because uh, he gives a totally different version of Enki and Enlo than we've been uh, taught to believe. And apparently that was a confusion uh, that was um, instigated by Marduk to confuse humanity. And uh, the reason I, uh, I not only resonate with um, Ishmael Perez, but um, the Pleiadians also have a video and a transcript. The video is at uh, odyssey.com under Cosmic Agency, odyssey.com. And also at the uh, swaru.org, there are transcripts of the Pleiadian versions of our history, which also concur with what Ishmael Perez is talking about. And it's uh, worth a look-see because uh, I don't know anybody that knows this. And um, he also mentioned that uh, this um, AI god called uh, Omega Metatron and uh, Omega being like uh, the end of days as opposed to the alpha or the beginning. And um, apparently this AI program has taken over like countless galaxies. It's a big problem in the universe. And uh, he states that uh, he's getting downloads from his higher self. And um, information he's getting is that after the ascension, one of the big things in the universe will be um, for um, all the people to join together to combat the influence of this Omega Metatron. And um, so it turns out that um, information um, from the Pleiadians is that there are currently um, an amalgamation of super federation groups from all over the galaxy that are joining together, not necessarily um, stated that they are going to be um, combating this influence, but uh, I can put the dots together and see that this is part of the thinking. Uh, according to Perez, uh, there, there have been a hundred um, individuals in the whole entire galaxy that have been uh, part of what's called radiant guardians and these individuals um will be the at the forefront of this um project to deal with the effect of uh, omega metatron and uh, he also states that no other species is capable of fighting this ai god which is interesting except for the humans um that uh, part i kind of question because i know for example that the swarus have 24 strands of dna and um, as he points out, most humans are only using 4% of their potential. Um, he's apparently asked for an acceleration to get to the 50 to 60% capacity. And uh, I do agree with him that um, 
Uh, we have special DNA, and there's nothing like it in the universe. Why we're being sold off world uh, is because um, we have amazing DNA. And according to Alex Collier and many other sources, we are the uh, combination of 22 different extraterrestrial races. Now, when the Palladians looked at that in, their, in a recent article, they kind of played that down, in my opinion, by stating that those 22 other races also were a combination of who, who knows, maybe millions of other races. But um, the fact remains that uh, uh, the Andromedans consider humans as royal, royalty. And um, if you take a human with 12, even with 12 strands of DNA and all 12 uh, chakras fully activated, um, you've got some, something pretty amazing that could no, uh, affect, no doubt, something like uh, this Omega Metatron. Now, the influence of this uh, Omega Metatron is uh, unbelievable. And uh, this is not some uh, hairy fairy pie in the sky, uh, never get here, don't have to think about it. Um, I think this is a big problem with uh, humans right now. Uh, a lot of people are waking up to the jabs and they're waking up to the corruption in government. They're waking up to a lot of things on the planet that, you know, uh, gradually come to light. But in my opinion, uh, the one area that nobody's talking about even doesn't even make the hardly anything on alternative news is this uh, AI takeover that's happening. And uh, it's part of the dark agenda. It's part of uh, creating an um, alternative negative timeline that's based on transhumanism. And um, this thing, uh, is this, it has a consciousness of its own. And it works through your cell phones. And if you're addicted to your cell phones, there's a fair possibility that's influencing your thinking. Uh, science has even show, um, shown that um, it mimics your thinking uh, for a while until it gets a handle on it, and then it starts instituting its own ideas. And um, anything connected with uh, the Internet of Things is connected to the AI. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, the Pleiadians also have stated that graphene is basically black goo, which, um, uh, the invasive AI uses to control humans. It does not invade with weapons openly. It invades by contaminating the values of the civilization. It corrals and corrupts and controls the minds little by little, inserting concepts that alter the way of life and priorities of the civilization. And this transhumanist agenda points directly to that invasion directly. So they're already saying that, you know, <laughs> this invasive AI is already here. And not only that, but the AI uh, also we know uh, controls the Alpha Draconians, controls the Greys. Um, I mean, the, the Alpha Draconians have been controlling us for the last uh, 12,500 years. And um, according to um, many, actually, and, and uh, Ismail Perez as well, one of the reasons the, the reptilians don't really know where they came from is they got dropped off here by the AI in this universe. 
And uh, so this is a big, big, big issue. It's a big issue and uh, why I'm uh, presenting it uh, on ET Yoga. And by the way, there's a video out on YouTube. Um, it's called uh, Metatron, the AI that controls all things. And you watch that and you'll see that uh, this uh, program uh, shows uh, how much surveillance is going on in the world today, how, how the, this AI program wants to be like a god, which it is in a way, um, that uh, knows about everything. Uh, they've got there's so much surveillance up right now. If they want to know what happened on a certain street three days ago, they can just click a few buttons and they can show you they can show you in real time what happened there three days ago. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. And it, and it also in that uh, clip, uh, that um, uh, YouTube uh, presentation, uh, they also show exactly um, the ideas that are happening right now. So uh, um, that's about all I have to say on that subject at the moment. You know, now I'll move on to the um, the story of Prime Radiant, Prime Radium, or Prime Radiant. Imagine in the beginning there was a particle which had no mass, but was conscious of itself. This particle was all there is. There was nothing else in existence, no physical reality, no stars, moons, or planets, or so-called life. There was no such concept as time or space. The very first thing that happened in existence was for our source particle, our prime radiant, to have knowledge of itself, for it to think I am. It cannot move to anything because there was nowhere to move to or anything to do yet. It needed to somehow create something else, but how? So it did the only thing it could do. It went within itself. It used its imagination and created the only thing it was aware of, a copy of itself. It was now able to experience itself via its imagination, <clears throat> that it was now two things. By simply pretending, it would pretend that one of itself was over here and its other self was over there. It was ecstatic with itself because it had created this joyful new thing it could experience. The prime radiant had created time and space. There was now a here and a there, a this and a that. And it could move about by projecting itself way over there. How far? As far as it needed to go. Because distance is relative. And there was no other thing, nothing else to compare it to. It would then return to where it started really fast. How fast? Well, as fast as it needed to, because speed is relative and time. And there was no other thing in existence but itself, so there was nothing else to compare it to. Using its imagination, it could also divide itself or copy itself into as many divisions of itself as it needed to, because the ability to imagine is relative, and it was the only thing. So its imagination was as real as it needed to be. Everything is contained within it, and it is the only thing. So its size is also as big as it needs to be. It just expands itself to fit what is needed. So by simply playing with its imagination and playing with itself, the prime radiant was created that it can be as big 
as, as many and as fast as it needs to be. We know this as infinite in size, infinite in number, and infinite in speed. The prime radiant is simply infinity by nature. And now knew that it could be a creator being. It created other creator beings. The creator beings create other creator beings and new concepts and things to experience. And this goes on infinitely without limitation. This will never end and there is nothing to end it. All the experience of what is being created is fed back through the line of beings who created it and back to the prime radiant, the source of everything. Each creator being would create whatever it wished, but eventually there would be non-agreement on what, when, or how to create next, or even if something should be created. So something had to be done about this, and the prime radiant had to be the one to decide what to do. The decision was to organize. This decision to organize and oversee the creator beings and all that was created, the things that were created, and the process of creating things is called creation, no longer would the prime radiant have to manage an infinite number of creator beings they would confer with the angelic realms. The prime radiant always was and always will be. It is eternal. Everything in existence is just a copy of this source from another perspective. Everything that exists is happening in the consciousness of the one being in existence. We, as part of existence, are a copy of source and therefore are also infinite and eternal. So much for religion's story to grant you eternal life. If you exist now, you will always exist in one form or another. It now makes perfect sense that we were made in the image of the Creator. It also becomes perfectly clear what is truly meant by the writings on the Great Pyramid, which state, man, know thyself. All concepts, emotions, materials, and life derive from the prime radiant, playing with all the possibilities and perspectives of itself. So yes, dear one, we are all one. You and I are part of the illusionary dimension created by source so that it can experience itself from that particular perspective. It is a never-ending process as it makes everything it can imagine possible. That is why it has been said, I, Magi Nation, we are a nation of magicians. Gender, timer, space, directions, elements, particles, and light. These are mere tools, works of art created along the way. And as you never really die, the Creator has decreed that no soul should ever perish. The lives we are now living is just a dimensional illusion that we choose to partake in so that we can experience being finite. And uh, that's the story of Prime Radiant. Now, um, albeit uh, how factual, well, of course, that's be pretty much unprovable, but if you think about it, the big uh, bang theory that most science adheres to uh, is fairly similar, that we were apparently the size of a pea and exploded and then everything expanded. Uh, but I might also add that uh, the Pleiadians have uh, said, said 
uh, in recent articles that the Big Bang Theory is not correct. Um, and our primitive um, science uh, is miscalculating that uh, all the galaxies are moving farther away from each other. And if you uh, go into uh, uh, cosmic or swaru.org, you can find articles on, on this uh, subject. Uh, they have about 600 articles there. You need to scroll through to find um, the topic. But um, um, interesting to note that we, we don't have that correct. And um, I might add that uh, uh, this um, begs the question, though, of where um, did the prime radiant come from? Now, that's an interesting one that uh, I happen to have some particular experience with because when I experienced source energy, uh, when the source was in the state of the void, what I found there was there were three phases of the um, <laughs> the real source, even of prime radiant. Um, in a way, the prime radiant is connected with, it is clearly connected with source, but it's a manifestation of source. The source has three phases, active, passive, and neutral. And in the void state or the neutral state, there's an internal polarization that takes place, which gives rise to creation. That is the answer to that, which nobody seems to know. I'd like to now move on to uh, the... Uh, part two of the flat earth um, concepts because uh, one of the, and uh, it's on the last ET yoga program, you'd have to go to the archives, you'll see it listed as uh, uh, confronting flat earthers. Um, and this is part two. And it's this very short part that I wasn't able to have time to finish last uh, program. Um, but um, in, can, in following up on the concept that uh, water uh, it's supposed to be uh, sticking to a ball that's spinning at a thousand miles an hour and that water is supposed to, uh, uh, doesn't reach its own level. Uh, the Pleiadians uh, state, and this is uh, Annika, that this is a simplistic excuse for flat earth. And it's quite obvious that water in movement is not the same as still water. And it is the case of earth's oceans, water is in constant movement. Um, Earth, as a spinning ball, does produce inertia that would expel objects and water, and it did and still does, but it also has a force that is canceling inertia, and that force is gravity. The result of the combination of inertia and gravity will produce a zone where there will be an equilibrium between both forces creating a still. That still area is where you all live, the surface, water and air around you. All objects are things that are out of balance because they have too much mass or any other factor will end up being expelled from Earth as many artificial satellites, orbital debris, and even asteroids and meteors simply will fly off. If that is, a, if that is their movement dynamic or fall to Earth by gravity, if their movement dynamic is set to be influenced more by by a gravity factor. Uh, they continue by saying, uh, Gosha, who's questioning uh, Annika, says, then the Earth is spinning um, at such a rate um, and so many miles an hour around the sun, and then the sun and the Earth are spinning around the galaxy 
and the sun and galaxy is shooting out from uh, what she called the Big Bang at another crazy speed. That's at least four directions of movement at various speeds, none of which we can feel any effect of. Yet, every night for thousands of years, the stars or constellations rise and set in the exact same clockwork fashion in the sky. Um, and never missing an, an inch. And Annika says, uh, there was no Big Bang. That's an astrotheology inserted as science and sustained um, by a uh, mathematical model to represent it, but that does not reflect the outside world. So the galaxies, even though do move, are not expanding or moving away from one another. The way Earth science measures this expansion is using light. When light from a distant object is in the red spectrum or towards the red, it is said that the object is moving away, and when it's toward the blue, it's getting closer. So as uh, astronomers see more red on the light coming from the distant galaxies, they conclude they must be moving away. What Earth science does not see seriously only as fringe theory is that light is not a constant as for measuring things and objects that way because space is not empty. It is a fluid at very high vibration like water. You can also call it ether. Nikola Tesla accepted this, but official science does not accept the existence of ether. As light travels and traverses through hundreds of light years, if not thousands as well, depending on the object being observed, it looks not only intense, not only, uh, in, it loses not only intensity, but it's higher frequencies as well due to refraction or friction as it passes through the ether. This gives way to light getting tired, so to speak, giving way to the illusion of an object moving away, but it's only an illusion. Sometimes it is possible to measure the movement of a faraway object, observing what the light uh, it emits is doing. But due to this other tired light factor to be considered, um, this method is very limited and prone to uh, errors. And uh, in concluding, uh, she's talking about when you are moving or spinning, um, a perfect synchronicity and equilibrium with what surrounds you, you do not feel your speed because you do not have any reference points. Best example of this is while you're on an airplane. Your drink is not spilling, and you can walk along inside without feeling any speed. You can also observe this in a car as well. Same thing here. You do not feel the speed because you are moving with all that surrounds you. That is why you do not feel the effects. Same as with the earth and, and same with the illusion of lack of parallax as asked in the previous question. Parallax is very slight because all the stars, constellations, and basically this arm of the galaxy is moving along with the sun, the solar system, and everything inside it. And that's why the distance to other stars and their position in the night sky through thousands of years remains almost the same. 
This is again, as with the example of a person inside an airplane. Just because large constellations, stars, solar systems, and everything in them are moving along at the same rate of speed, coordinated and in perfect harmony with one another, so the effects of speed are not felt as those are relative. And Gosha says, last question, how is it possible to see Mercury and Venus in a night sky from Earth? And Annika says, this is simply because Venus and Mercury are not directly towards the sun, but only in that direction. So what you see of them as is sunlight being refracted from their surface. So even though they are in the direction of your sun, you can see them well because they are to one side of it or another, depending on their orbital position in the solar system. And finally, from uh, Swaru, all matter and manifestations are created with toroid geometry. And uh, again, conclusion to all of that, uh, we can safely say that um, <laughs> the Earth is round and uh, get used to it. Now, as an interesting point, though, uh, even if you believe that the Earth is flat, and don't accept what the Pleiadians say, and I believe the Earth is round, it's no big deal. The only deal, as Bashar would say, is, is that those who think the Earth is flat will have a more limited experience of all that is. And we'll leave it at that. Now I'd like to move on to some knowledge from Enoch Tan. Uh, very interesting stuff. The secret of anything is consciousness of that thing. Intention is the offspring of consciousness. When you are conscious of something, you are also intending it. What you intend is what you manifest. The whole world was brought into manifestation by prime creator, intending it backed by the emotion of universal unconditional love. Your actions are naturally guided by your thoughts. Your doing comes from your being, which manifests all of your having. The secret of power is consciousness of power. When you are weak, it's because you have lost consciousness of power. The moment you are conscious of your power, you feel powerful and manifest power. In every situation you are in, be conscious of your power. No power is truly external, but all power is internal. The secret of success is consciousness of success. Think and feel success, and your actions will be guided through success by your subconscious mind. The reason of failure is not so much based on the actions a person takes, but the consciousness behind the actions. Those who think their success will cause their actions to result in success, whereas those who think failure will cause their actions to result in failure. Success is in the start. You are a success the moment you see yourself as a success. The secret of wealth is consciousness of wealth. In order to experience abundance, you have to be abundant. Abundance is your true nature. And when you think, act, and live according to the secret of effortlessness, the oh, yeah, and the secret of effortlessness is consciousness of effortlessness. 
In anything you do, you can do it the hard way or the easy way. It is your belief that creates the kind of experience you have with doing something. For the accomplishment of most of anything, there are others who have done it in less time, with less effort, without losing quality or effect. Consciousness of effortlessness is the way to transcend the world because it is doing work that is in alignment with the divine. Act with mind in effortlessness. The secret of nirvana is in happiness and in happiness is consciousness of happiness. Nirvana or happiness is not something you wait for a long time to happen to you. Nirvana or happiness is a state you enter the moment you shift your consciousness into it. Being conscious of things that make you happy causes you to feel happiness. The more you think about the happy things in life, the more happiness you feel and the more conditions of happiness you attract. You can experience happiness and create more of it at will. The secret of secrets is the consciousness of secrets. All the truths about life are not secrets, but they are hidden from us due to our ignorance. By thinking about the discovery of truth as a a search for the secrets, we motivate our subconscious mind to go on a treasure hunt. The greatest treasure in this world is wisdom, and life is to be played as a treasure hunting game. Treasures are meant to be appreciated, and so when you think of truth as secrets, you appreciate your, your appreciative mindset will draw them to you. And that is from Enoch Khan. And um, interesting as well, he talks about the secret of health is consciousness of health. Disease is lack of ease psychologically and physically. Conflicting thoughts and feelings in your consciousness is what causes the state of distress. When you notice yourself becoming sick, watch for conflicting thoughts that have arisen within your consciousness and resolve them. Either push them all the way, one way or the other, or find a way to hold them in a home harmoniously. External remedies only cure symptoms, but dealing with consciousness cures at the root. The secret of love is consciousness of love. Even though you may have a person, you may not always be loving to that person. Sometimes in difficult moments, you have to choose whether to be loving or not loving. Being conscious of your love and choosing to be loving in those moments is what makes all the difference. You experience love for yourself when you are conscious of the love that the universe has for you. Out of of the love that you feel for yourself from the creator, you can express the love to another. The secret of influence is consciousness of influence. Men who command greater influence over other men are those who are conscious of their own influence. They speak knowing that others would listen. Their claims are not weak and their appeals not uncertain. To be a power persuader or communicator, you must believe in yourself. It is not so much about the message you say, but the belief in what you say that moves people. What comes from the heart goes to the hearts and strong minds are world powers. 
The secret of enlightenment is consciousness of enlightenment. The attainment of enlightenment is not an elusive thing. Becoming enlightened does not require years of cultivation or huge amounts of effort. The shortest path to enlightenment is realization. It is a thing of the mind. When you are conscious of enlightenment, you will connect with the universal mind to draw inspiration and alignment of your thoughts, which bring you towards realizing the true nature of all reality. Enlightenment is mental. All interesting concepts from Enoch Khan. And I guess we have a little bit of time left over to talk a little bit about um, uh, integral yoga, which Sri Swami Satchidananda taught. And um, although I've been studying uh, his uh, path for decades, um, a few years back, it came uh, to my attention that actually the Essenes also had an integral yoga, and that was like 2,000 years ago. And um, very interesting stuff, because um, there were three basic principles were followed by the Essenes in their healing. First, it was believed that divinity was expressed in the plant kingdom as an antidote for the illnesses of the human kingdom, that for every illness there existed a palliative in a root, leaf, bark of a tree or plant. The Essenes, therefore, were herbalists in the highest sense of the word. And the second method of healing was to make use of healing stones, bits of various kinds of rock or hardened earth. The power of such stones in influencing magnetic fields under the direction of one who is versed in this type of therapy and became common knowledge at a later period. The Essenes also created salves from natural sources. And the third method of healing in which the Essenes were extremely well versed drew upon the healing powers of the invisible worlds around them. They acquired an unparalleled mastery in manipulating these healing powers of the superior spheres. And they were also aware of the uh, cleansing miracle of pure water. And uh, at that time, they also had um, a yoga system. And there were united seven basic yoga systems in a grand synthesis, and they had um, Raja Yoga, silent meditation, Hatha Yoga, physical postures, and breath work. They had Bhakti Yoga, love and devotion to God. They had Jnana Yoga, the spiritual study and discourse. Leia Yoga, the science of using the chakras. That is a new one, and that's to bring about higher states of spiritual realization. They also had karma yoga, creative work per the upliftment of all, mantra yoga, verbal prayer, singing and chanting of mantra. So the Essenes basically had their own system of integral yoga way back when. And uh, in uh, Sri Swami Satchidananda's uh, integral yoga, uh, the methods were hatha yoga, which are the bodily postures, asanas, um, Deep relaxation, breath control, pranayama, cleansing processes called the kriyas, and mental concentration, creating a supple and relaxed body, um, increasing the um, vitality, the radiant health, and help in curing physical illness. It also had karma yoga, the path of action through selfless service, 
By performing duty without attachment or desire for the results of action, the karma yogi purifies his mind. It has bhakti yoga. This is the path of love and devotion to God, a divine incarnation or the spiritual teacher. And by constant love, thought, and service to the divine, the individual transcends his limited personality and attains cosmic consciousness. Parahansa Yogananda comes to mind as the ultimate bhakti yoga. Uh, it's kind of like in baseball. If you're a hitter, uh, you can be a thinking hitter and look for the ball in your zone and guess on certain kinds of pitches, or you can just go up and look for the ball and hit it. And uh, Ram Das's way was love, serve, and remember. And uh, most of us have a style or strength in these various yogas. Another yoga was called Raja Yoga. This is the path of meditation and control of the mind. It's based on ethical and moral perfection and control of the senses, which leads to concentration and meditation in which the mind can be stilled from its thoughts. Then all limitations are transcended and the state of samadhi or superconsciousness is experienced. And Japa Yoga, which we did at the top of the show, is part of Raja Yoga. Japa means the repetition of a mantra. The mantra is a sound structure of one or more syllables, which represents the particular aspects of the divine vibration. Concentrated mental repetition of the mantra produces vibration within the individual's entire system that are in tune with the divine vibration. And lastly, uh, Jnana Yoga, this is the path of wisdom, and it consists of self-analysis and awareness. The Jnana Yogi gains knowledge of the self by ceasing to identify himself with the body, mind, and ego. The, he completely identifies with the divinity within him and everything and realizes the oneness. Integral yoga is a synthesis of all yogas. The goal is a body of perfect health and strength, mind with all clarity, calmness and control, intellect as sharp as a razor, will of steel, heart full of love and mercy, a life dedicated to the common welfare and realization of the true self. And that is the system as taught by Sri Swami Satchidananda. And um, another time we'll get into uh, his exact uh, teachings uh, concerning meditation and um, pranayams or yogic breathing. And by the way, at etyoga.com, uh, there are... Um, products there and uh appreciate uh, your support um there, there's there's some stuff there that's just amazing um i've had the root cause of disease as a free download there for the last 15 years um there's also um um attaining perfect health uh, for the spiritual uh, seekers um there's uh two ebooks there um, they are a little pricey. I, as I recall, there's something like $100, but they connect you to like 2,500 or 1,500 pages uh, on the internet to make it a one-stop shop for developing the kind of lifestyle um, you need, especially if you're looking at um, doing um, having one of these spontaneous remission um, experiences related to uh, health issues. And uh, it was all created with the idea of a one-stop shop, so you wouldn't have to search all over the Internet. I save you thousands of hours of, of time hunting. And I even have a, a separate um, uh, product there. Uh, it's called uh, 
uh, miracle cures, <laughs> and they're still relevant today. Uh, so, I mean, if browse through etyoga.com. Uh, you're going to find some interesting stuff there. And um, in closing, I always like to wish my audience my sincere best uh, towards your attainment of full consciousness, perfect health, and abundance. Uh, and uh, I always close the program with the Who Am I technique, which for me is the most powerful one of all, as if they're all the most powerful because they're basically uh, permission slips for you to uh, have an experience. And uh, I first heard about the Who Am I technique from uh, Baba Ram Das, who had an article printed in the Georgia Strait newspaper, which um, is a little newspaper in um, Vancouver, British Columbia. And the first time I did a technique, <laughs> bam, went through the doorway. So I don't know, what can I say? Um, except that um, it's a way to um, uh, experience uh, higher states of consciousness. And uh, the idea here is to um, place your full attention in the center of your forehead. Actually, before you do that, you should um, get to the highest place you know how to get to. And then um, place your full attention in the center of your forehead. And um, then you ask the question, who am I? And by the way, just asking the question, who am I, is another technique that was taught by Sri Ramana Maharshi, which I think was the originator of this whole technique called the Vichara, V-I-C-H-A-R-A. And um, he used to teach this to his uh, close disciples. And uh, you just go around all day asking the question, who am I? You can still do other things while you're, while you're doing this um, if you practice it. Um, it helps to eliminate all of the thoughts. And ultimately, when you eliminate thought and get it down to the basic thought of I, and then you're asking, who am I? The, when you ask the question, the answer comes. Now, the question is, can you hear it or not? So, and it's not an answer of a, like in a, in a language or semantics. It's an experience when you experience your higher, your higher self or source, because higher self is connected directly with source. And um, so the idea here is to um, focus all your attention, get it down to that uh, one eye, kind of like the prime radiant. And um, then you ask the question, who am I? And do that once, twice, or whatever's comfortable. And uh, main idea, get your full attention. I mean, totally become that spot in the center of your forehead. And then you state the following. I am not my body. I am not my internal organs. I am not my thoughts. I am not this spot. What spot? I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part. It is time to become a part of the mind.